Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Beth. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Father. Hey, Jenna. (laughs) How are you? Great. How are you? Great. Welcome back, Father Dan Keneally. Thanks. Great to be with you guys. I think we were just calling him Father Dan then. Yeah, well, now that he's a pastor, actually, I think you were a pastor last time you were on. When I got to St. Joan of Arc, there was already Father Daniel Cruz. Oh. And so he and I look a lot alike, you know? No, you don't. People don't know that, though, so (laughs) now you have to explain. Father Daniel Cruz is about a foot shorter than me. (laughs) We do not look a lot alike. No. Nothing alike, in fact. (laughs) I realized this morning as I went back, I was re-listening to your original the Gathering Place episode. It's called The Long Way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the premiere yeah. of Father Dan <laughs> Keneally on the podcast. I love it. And I realized as I'm listening to this like rich bass voice, I'm like, I wonder if people know what he looks like. Like <laughs> they don't. Specifically how tall you are. I am a whopping six five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm something of a giant. But I think you seem taller too, just because you're like I'm a big guy. Yeah. I'm a big guy, yeah. So big shoulders. A lot of that comes from swimming right. a lot of my life growing up. I was a swimmer in college before entering seminary. The shoulders don't go away. I'm wondering, does your personality match your body? Like if you were smaller, would you be this like steady and like... Would I be friendlier and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like there's something about like your whole presence mm. that's very... Like steadfast, you know, stable. I don't know. That's a great question. So I just wonder, Lord, Lord. for every person, does your body match your personality? (laughs) Do you know what I mean, though? Totally. Father, would you mind introducing yourself? I would love to. My name is Father Dan Keneally. I'm the pastor at St. Joan of Arc in Phoenix. I've been a priest since 2016, about four and a half years. No way. Is that it? Way. Wow. Pretty much know what I'm doing. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been a priest for four years. I'm from Phoenix, born and raised here. Went to uh, the University of Pittsburgh for swimming and a little bit of school. And then I entered the seminary after two years there. Spent three years in Ohio at the Pontifical College Josephinum. And then four years at the North American College in Rome doing my theology studies. Um, my first assignment as a priest was in Flagstaff, where I met Beth Davis. Mm-hmm. I th- actually, I think we met before that once, but it doesn't really count. <laughs> okay, we definitely met while you were a seminarian. <laughs> I want to hear how you met the Lord. Yeah, definitely. I would say that we never really know like the full scope of how we met the Lord. We can often like point to different moments in mm-hmm. our lives where it became more present or more tangible for us. So I grew up in a family of eight kids, always go to Mass every Sunday, pray the rosary together. But I didn't really have my own prayer life that I'd really taken ownership of, even through high school. Uh, back then, confirmation was when you were in high school. Now it's third grade, which is awesome. Well, it seemed to be a big part of my faith, but I, I still didn't really like dive into it as much as I could have then. But I would say the whole time the Lord was working, even though maybe I didn't take advantage of those opportunities at the time or didn't quite have the disposition at the time to really jump into it. So it was a good experience, but you're like 16 years old and the things that stick, you know, it's not always what's important. So I went to college, uh, to the University of Pittsburgh on a swimming scholarship. I was kind of like, you know, I just want to go to college, swim for four years, get a job, and maybe get married and 
you, you kind of realize, oh man, like my life has to have some purpose. Mm. You know, you can't kind of just go through the typical motions and be like, I just need to like check these boxes like people do. You know, a Division One sports team isn't always the healthiest environment. For me, there were there were a number of moments where I was kind of just like, well, what am I doing with my life? You're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you're working out like 20 hours a week, and then going to school 15, studying, going out with your friends. And all of a sudden, you get to a point you're like, well, what is all this for? I would always go to Mass every Sunday at the Newman Center, bagels and donuts afterwards, you know? <laughs> so even though all my friends were on the swim team, I would still like quasi hang out after Mass. But I'd be like the big guy with his plate of donuts and bagels standing by himself, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> During that time... I was grateful that another student at the Newman Center kind of reached out and we became friends and he was actually a grad student and he would invite me to different gatherings with other Catholics and I remember he would ask me awkward questions like, are you praying? (laughs) And it's just like... How did you answer that? Well, it's the worst because you're like, I know what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I can't lie. Yeah. That was my conscience, you know? Right. (laughs) Praise God. And so I did the cleverest thing I could, which was to say, like, you know, I'm really busy. Right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to, but, you know, swimming mm. and school. Yeah. And he said, you know, you have like five extra minutes every day. And it feels like you're being like trapped in a corner because you're like, who can say that like they don't have five extra minutes? Right. It's like, just go to bed five minutes later. <laughs> you know, it's not that hard. <laughs> totally. So I was like backed into the corner. So I was like, well, yeah, I guess I could. You know, I took my calendar, but I think I could swing five minutes, you know? <laughs> and it was really just that, like, little seed that was planted that really helped me to start to grow in my life of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what to do, you know? You kind of you set a timer for five minutes and see how long five minutes really is. <laughs> <laughs> Would you just sit in silence? I think I must have. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd, like, read. He had sent me, like, a list of, like, quotes from St. Jose Maria Escrivans. I would read those a little bit. and But it was really just like taking time to give the Lord space. And meanwhile, it's like hard to cut yourself away from the life you're living. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I still want to go with my friends. and But you're just like, this can't be what my life is about. There's no way that this is what God created me for. And I, I again, I didn't really know anything, but I was just like, for whatever reason, the priesthood kind of came back to mind. I thought about it a little bit in high school and as much as one can focus on serious things, you know? Yeah, so I was like, well, maybe the Lord's calling me to be a priest. And I didn't really know what that meant. But at the time, Father Don Klein was the vocations director here. And I just, like, found his number online. Found this phone number. I call him. I said, hey, my name's Dan, freshman in college. Thinking about becoming a priest. So if you can give me a call back, that'd be great. No way. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. You know, I, I don't remember what I Googled. If it was, like, priesthood phoenix or something. Wow. I just found this guy who apparently like that's his job (laughs) that like help people become priests yeah a lot of it was just like slowly giving the Lord space to work and and I started to pray a little bit more I'd show up to mass a little bit earlier to pray and things and slowly figure things out a little bit and I go to these Catholic gatherings and kind of like listen to what people were saying and and I had a biography of St. John Vianney which I had read in high school and I started reading that again you kind of like read his life and you're like this is a life worth living, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so slowly. So I just called this phone number and he called me back. So <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know what I think is so beautiful? I've recently, over the past couple of weeks, have just been struggling in my um, like intentional set-aside prayer time. My spiritual director just said, like, I know that things can be crazy. 
we all have days, weeks that just seem like, where can I find the time? Mm-hmm. And she just encouraged me to look at my calendar. And she's like, if you know, you know, people are coming to town or you have dinner plans or when you normally pray is just that time is eaten up, mark off another 15 minutes. And she just encourages 15 minutes. Just sounds so simple. Yeah. Like what you're saying. And she just said, the Lord does something with that obedience. Mm -hmm. Like he will do something in those 15 minutes. Yeah but you have to make the time to do it. Like you have to be obedient Mm -hmm. to what you're offering to him, you know, or like what you've resolved Mm -hmm. to do. Um, So I just think that's beautiful in, in just five minutes, just a yes to that grace just Mm -hmm. builds on itself. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that was really big for me too is at the end of my freshman year, I got uh, breakfast with this guy. His name's Blake and who had invited me to pray five minutes a day. And, he was like, what's your plan for the summer? And it's like, you know, finally we're talking about sports. And so I told him my workout schedule. <laughs> he just like looked at me like, he's like, I mean about like your prayer life. Blake. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I guess I should have known that, you know. <laughs> but off the top of my head, I was like, oh yeah, I'll go to daily mass once a week. Wow. I, I don't know if I had gone to daily mass before that. Wow. But it worked out at the time. I was swimming at the old Phoenix Swim Club in St. Thomas the Apostles right down the road. Mm. Right after swim practice, I'd go to their evening mass, and it was really beautiful. I would be like this like, college kid and flip-flops and a T-shirt, you know, <laughs> showing up and just seeing, like, businessmen coming in, moms with their kids, mm. uh, beautiful old ladies, you know. Mm. And I was like, wow, like, something's happening here. You know, there's a reason people are coming here. So that was really big and, like, by the end of the summer, I was actually going to Mass every day. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You kind of just like notice the beauty of the Lord and you surrender yourself to that. And He gives you the space to grow. Was there a moment, Father, where it was like the gospel, right? This idea of Jesus coming to reconcile us to the Father. Was there a moment where that became like personal to you? You know, I feel like I should be able to say yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, like where I was in my life, I was just like, I know that the Catholic faith is everything. Yeah. Mm. And so I wasn't able to like couch it so much in terms of the gospel, but mm. knowing that salvation is in the church. And I think that's something that I grew into more is understanding like how everything fits together. We talk about the gospel, that it's the same thing as the church. The salvific message is the same that is. But I think I had an understanding that in the church is salvation and people need to know about that. Yeah. And again, like, you know, I'm 20 years old, so as much as I could have articulated that myself, because I, I, didn't, I didn't know a lot, but I knew the Lord was working, and I knew that I just needed to give him space. And and I'm also like, I'm a very direct person, and but, but I was very much of the mindset where I'm like, you know, if I think I'm supposed to be a priest, I'm just going to go and figure it out. I don't want to sit around and just think about it, and maybe I'm called, maybe I'm not. Like by the time I'm done playing with that game, I could already have like gone to seminary, discerned out and figured out where I'm going next in my life. And so I just entered. I was like, I'd rather enter and find out that I'm not called to be a priest than kind of continue to wonder. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like waffling around. Yes, no. Yes, no. Like I'm just going to make a decision. Yeah. And I realized that does not work for everyone, but that's where I was coming from. And at the time, apparently Father Klein was like, yeah, sounds good. You know? <laughs> so you were in college for how many years before in- you went? Two years. Okay. Yeah. I was in college for two years and then 
Off to the Josephinum. Wow. I was going to say, before you said, that doesn't work for everyone. I was like, gosh, that really is like the key to discernment. Mm. I think we want to be sure. Mm-hmm. And so we wait and we overpray and we overthink and we ask a million people and we get confused. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're right, sometimes the discernment happens on the way. Yeah, and I guess I should say too that not maybe it's not that it doesn't work for everyone, but not everyone's in that place. I feel like I'm holding back a lot, and I'm like, just make a decision, you know. And it's there's nothing bad that happens when you try to follow the Lord. The Lord's faithful, and if we're really trying to sincerely follow Him, He's going to take care of us. I don't know if I've told you before, Beth, but like I remember, like right after I was accepted. I met this like really beautiful Catholic girl in like my Shakespeare class or something. <laughs> I was like, Lord, what is happening here? You yeah, know? And, yeah. But then I was like, God doesn't play tricks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you kind of just realize she's not for me. Wow. Like the Lord's not going to like make me second guess myself when I've really been trying to follow him. You yeah. just like set someone free. You know, Mm. someone is like crying in their car listening to this. I feel like I'm going to like start crying. Even though I know that the talk that I gave on the Shine Retreat all of 2019, like one of my main points, like the character of God is he does not lie. Mm -hmm. But every time I gave that talk, I was preaching to myself. Mm -hmm. I was like reminding myself and rooting myself and backing it up with scripture for myself to believe it. Yeah, you know, and I think people want certainty about everything we live in an age where you want to know an answer you just like google it how many times have we been sitting around with our friends and people are like oh i don't know the answer to that it's like someone's like just google it yeah you know but you can't do that with discernment you know it's like just follow the lord yeah you want like certainty and you want to know that everything's going to work out the exact right way and what that really means is like i want to make sure everything's going to work out the exact right way that i want it right we're okay with how the lord handles things jesus was free to walk to the crucifixion you know, and he did. And it was good. But sometimes we're like, what if I trip and fall three times? It's like, then you trip and fall three times, you know, get up. Yeah. And that's a little bit my <laughs> direct personality. <laughs> but like, what happens? You fall totally. and then it's like, who hasn't gotten up before when they fell? Keep going. I like to use the analogy from Ernest Hemingway. He said that writing a novel is like driving on the highway at night. He said, you can only see as far as your headlights show you but you can make the whole journey that way. Isn't that That's so awesome. often the case? Yeah. We want to like be like, I want to know every turn and everything. You just need to see as far as the headlights show you. Jen always talks about one of her favorite verses about the word being a lamp to our feet. We don't see the whole path ahead. Mm-hmm. The lamp is at our feet, lighting up the next step. Mm-hmm. It's like, if that's good enough for the Lord, then mm. it's good enough for me. He's the one who's in control. I'm not. We follow him and he's faithful. There's nothing to be afraid of when we follow the Lord. When you give that example of meeting this beautiful girl, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no, the Lord doesn't play tricks. And you're just done with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. There's a real freedom there that mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm trying to life hack this. Is that your personality? How are you just so free and so sure? With stuff like that, one thing that someone told me a long time ago that I found really helpful when I was like conflicted, especially about things like this, it's like they said, you know, just pray for that person and say, Lord, give that person the life that you want for them. Me at that point, I was like, and I recognize that I'm not part of that life Mm. that the Lord wants for her. It's like, if the Lord doesn't want that, then I don't want that either. Everything that you're saying makes perfect sense. Like, oh, right. 
It's like you're living what you actually believe. <laughs> like that would be the way you would live if you believed God was in control and that he loved you and had mm-hmm. a good plan for your life. And it's yeah. faithful. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's hard because, you know, we're affected by the things around us. We're affected by the things that have happened to us in our lives. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that can cause us to doubt the Father's love for us. I would bet that I said this the last time we spoke, but I'll say it again. Someone had said once, we spend the majority of our lives scrubbing the face of our earthly father off the face of the heavenly father. And that's not like a shot against everyone's dad out there. But it is to say that like the experiences of our life often impact the way that we see the heavenly father. Sometimes we like see the way that we've been treated in relationships and we're like, well, that, that's how God is going to treat me. Mm. It's like, no, we want to be able to scrub that off and be able to recognize that lie. Because the Father is the one who's faithful and distorted human love affected us. That's something to give to the Father. Mm. And maybe just say, Father, show yourself to me. Show yourself to me as you are and help me to rest in you, to live in you. Anything else, Jenna? Mm. I want to go pray. I support that. <laughs> yeah. Good, Father, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, like, we don't always notice that we need to pray about things, you know? You find yourself in situations in your daily life where you're like, this thing's really annoying. But it's, like, not that big of a deal. And then you go to pray and you're like, well, let's see, like, what are the big blocks that we need to, like, work through, Lord? Yeah. And sometimes he's like, let's talk about the little things, mm. you know? And and so it's easy to, like, forget about these daily annoyances mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Because we're only thinking about the big things. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, Lord, I need answers to the big questions. Yeah. He's like... It'll come. I loved what you said, Beth, earlier about how do we live if we actually believe this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've come up against that just in my own relationships is like if I'm living true to church teaching or true to scripture and I get like pushback on it in relationships, it's like, well, I'm trying to live what we profess every Sunday. And it's hard for me because I'm very much like, well, if that's what we profess to believe in then we should go do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. should go live that. Yeah. It's hard when we're in relationships and we love people and there is like gray and confusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even within the church, like there's just conflicting messages where you're like, well, isn't love this thing to mm-hmm. like live in the gray or mm-hmm. is it love to speak truth? Or yeah. And ultimately, I just always try to come back to What is church teaching? What is it that I profess to believe in? No matter what anyone else says on YouTube, in a (laughs) newspaper, in a documentary, like it all for me comes back to what does the church actually say? Do I profess to believe in this church? Mm -hmm. And if I do, how do I live? Yeah, I think we always got to start from, well, what is true? You know, we have things like the catechism, papal documents, the Bible, and that we can point to that tell us specific things that we can have as a foundation, that we don't have to be trying to rediscover things. Yeah. But then also, we're meant to live in relationship, and we, we can only share the truth in relationship. If we're trying to just, like, convert people through our social media posts, it's like, good luck. You know? <laughs> yeah. Go out and talk to people. And we've heard the statistics about Catholics, 70% don't believe in the true presence, mm. something of that sort. But But we can't, like treat the members of christ's body like their statistic it's like no like let's let's try to meet the people who sit by us at mass you know how about that do we actually know the people who always sit in front of us like we have our assigned seats you know we show up and it's like that's my pew (laughs) you know i know who you are (laughs) but it's like 
Do we believe that we're members of the body of Christ? If we do, like, who does sit next to us? Who sits behind us? Who always sneaks out of the pew right in front of us? Meet the people around you. Love the people around you. Talk about the good news with them. Jenna, the way you asked the question, the example that you gave is, like, what is love? Mm. And I think many of the social media fights that we get riled up about or maybe entangled in (laughs) that steal our peace, they come down to a person believing that they are loving. They are exercising love toward another person. So I wonder, Father, if you can speak to that at all. Like, how do we have a proper, right-ordered, church-defined view of love or definition of love? And how do we apply that? To the people in the pews. Yeah. You're asking, how do we learn to love as the Lord loves? Mm-hmm. Right. I think this is, this is the thing that's so confusing, is that people on both sides are insisting this is how the Lord would love. If Jesus were alive, he would blank. These are the people he would surround himself with. This is what he would say to people or how he would treat people or mm-hmm. who he would welcome. Sure. And we could probably say that's actually true. Archbishop Carlson from St. Louis released a document called Compassion and Challenge. Mm. And, um, you know, it's about gender ideology and how we can understand that. But, but he, he starts off by talking about one of the basic ways that Jesus addresses people. And he says it's by showing compassion and then challenging them. And so it's like, yeah, he hung out with tax collectors, but he didn't say, Matthew, this will be great that you're a tax collector. Now we'll have some funds to like go evangelize, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, like, come and follow me. Like, leave everything behind. Or you think of like Zacchaeus. Can you imagine just like being like on the side of like the road, a big crowd, and maybe it's like the Pope or the president or some big figure coming through, and they just like look at you and they're like, Beth. And you're like, how do you know me? But the Lord like calls us by name. He takes us out of the anonymity of the crowd. He draws us into relationship with himself. And so he invites Zacchaeus to follow him. But then we know that Zacchaeus is going to meet that compassion. And he's going to rise to the challenge. You know, he's going to offer what he's stolen back. Jesus would meet everyone. But he would also invite them to follow him completely. Because that's how God gives himself to us. He gives himself to us completely doesn't say hey like be mostly good to go to mass on sundays and like friday nights though those are yours like go out <laughs> have a great time and it's like no jesus doesn't say that he's like i gave myself to you entirely mm. and so i invite you to follow my example it's not easy but it is good it's good when we give ourselves entirely to the lord mm. when we're not afraid to make those kind of decisions to say you know what lord i'm just going to jump in whatever it might be but i'm just going to give myself more and more maybe it's we've been on the about volunteering at homeless shelter, maybe at the pro-life clinic, the women's clinic. Maybe it's just say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to call and see what they need. See? Just going to call that vocations director? Yeah, Leave him a voicemail. I love Leave that. A voicemail. <laughs> at what? the beginning of the podcast, I kind of said, you know, we don't always notice the way the Lord's preparing us, how he's been working the whole time. And sometimes that's like part of the fear is like, we might take all these little steps and we're like, is anything even happening? Mm. Don't worry about that right now. It's like, let's just keep moving forward. Let's just keep moving closer to the Lord. But be willing to take a step. For your listeners who are discerning their vocation, they've kind of been on the fence about um, going to visit a community or whatever it might be. It's like, okay, why don't you just try it out? Why don't you just call them this week? 
What's the worst thing that happens? Yeah, I mean, you're entertaining all of these possibilities and worst case scenarios. And why not just call and like get the answer to your question? Even like trying to grow in the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. It can feel like, am I getting anywhere? Good gravy, Mm -hmm. you know? And you can like think about that as opposed to just turning our hearts to the Lord instead of just like thinking about ourselves and Mm -hmm. our own path of, Mm. am I doing it right? You know? You're there, so you're doing something right. Well, Father. Well, Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your call to take baby steps. Baby. I'm glad you answered. <laughs> <laughs> Father, would you mind closing us in prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for inviting us to be your disciples, for inviting us to live in a radical way. Father, we desire just to live from your heart. We desire to live from that place of deep love which you have shown us first in your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us the grace to stay close to him all the days of our lives. Give us the grace to love more deeply, more intentionally, more perfectly every day. Father, take away any fear from our hearts and send your Holy Spirit in to give us new life once more. Pray that Mary, our mother, may draw us close to herself and always show show us the face of her son. We ask this in his holy name. Amen. St. Joan of Arc, pray for for us. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, who's your personal patron saint? I got a, I got a little bit of a team. Yeah? You know, I got a few that I Who's like. on your A-team? Well, St. John Vianney is been yeah. there for a long time. Joan of Arc, I've adopted since I've gone to the parish there. She adopted you. She adopted me. If you too love St. Joan of Arc, you can check out her cutie little sticker in our shop, along with a lot of other inspiring, strong, holy female saints. Amen. Soon to be male saints. Oh yeah, those are in the works. They're getting made. Blessedisshe.net slash shop. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye now.